everyone, and welcome back to Internet Report's Pulse Update, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss what's up, what's down, what's working and not working, and generally keep our finger on the pulse of how the internet is holding up week over week. This week, uh, now that we're about halfway through 2023, we're doing a special episode looking back at the last six months on the internet and chatting about some of the interesting trends we're seeing, in particular the rise of application outages. Uh, we'll also cover some related case, uh, case studies of incidents uh, at our Instagram and Okta. So let's start with the download, which is my quick summary, uh, essentially a TLDR about what to know about the internet this week in two minutes or less. Alrighty. So looking at the total global outages since the start of 2023, while we've seen peaks and troughs that appear to reflect sort of seasonal patterns we've observed in previous years, the actual trend for this year today is pretty flat week over week. However, if we separate that out and look at the ISPs and the CSPs, uh, we see the ISP numbers are trending down on average for the year, but the CSP observed outage numbers are trending up. I'm going to delve into that and what that means a little bit later, but this is the first time in three years we observe the ISP outage numbers sort of trending down across this same time period. Also trending up is the number of distinct application outages observed. This is really interesting as they have the most significant effect on, uh, in terms of global reach and impact and as they, they tend to highlight what can result in a single point of aggregation or dependency degrades. On that theme, uh, on June the 13th, AWS experienced an issue impacting a number of services in the US East 1 region. This was first observed at uh, 1815 UTC. Uh, we observed an increase in latency. In other words, what we saw was exceeded wait times that resulted in server timeouts as well as HTTP servers returning sort of 500 type errors, which have all indicative of issues reaching the backend services. This was later confirmed by AWS who announced via their status page that they had identified the root cause uh, to be an issue with the subsystem, uh, which was responsible for the capacity management for AWS Lambda, which caused errors directly for customers and indirectly through the use of other AWS services. We're not going to go into this one today, but we have we, there is a blog, if you actually will put that in the show notes, which sort of goes into that outage in a little bit more detail for you. But this just highlights just not that single point of aggregation uh, that is typically more prevalent in the application. It also highlights the reliance on dependencies in addition to the fact that just because something is available, it may not necessarily be reachable or in, indeed functional. Uh, and this was also then the case for an Okta issue back in March that underscored the importance of each and every part of that service delivery chain. And it's not enough for them to just be available, they have to be functioning properly too. Running out on this application theme, I'd just like to revisit a recent Instagram disruption where a technical issue left uh, users globally unable to access Meta's Instagram, and that was on May 21st. Uh, when they were looking at this, users were attempting to open the app and were greeted with an error message that uh, that they couldn't load the feed. And they've tried if you tried refreshing the homepage and the profile, this actually didn't uh, didn't didn't work. So the impact of outages, I say, was global. Um, it sort of had a duration of two to three hours, uh, and we observed again some server errors there. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll cover that a little bit uh, more detail later on. So as always, we've included chapter links in the description box below so you can skip ahead to sections that you're most interested in. And please hit like and subscribe and email us with any questions at internetreport at thousandeyes.com. We always welcome your feedback and any questions you've had. But before we dive into the rest of the episode, I just wanted to flag the new resource we've, we've, uh, we've just created, which is the Internet Outages Timeline. This is actually really cool. So if you enjoy the outage case studies we do on this channel, and you want an overview of some of the most notable outages from the last year, and the lessons they, lessons they leave, or lessons you'll learn from them, you'll likely find this timeline really helpful. And we've in, we'll, we'll include a link in the description box below. Okay, and with that, let's take a look at the overdue outage trends we've been seeing. So 
So since we've reached the halfway mark of the year, in this episode, as I said, I want to take a look at both the outage numbers from the last few weeks, as well as some trends we've seen in 2023 as a whole. First, let's dive into what we've seen heading into June. The flattening out we saw at the end of May continued into June with global outage numbers reasonably stable during that period, dropping from 176 to 130. And this is a 26% decrease when we compare that to May 29th to June the 4th. So this pattern was reflected in the US as outages decreased dropping from 86 to 52, which is a 40% decrease when compared to May 29th to June 4th. Again, this pattern appears to be seasonal, with the similar patterns observed in previous years, which is typical as we sort of head into this northern hemisphere summer. US-centric outages accounted for 40% of all observed outages from June 5th to 11th, which is smaller than the percentage observed between May 22nd and June 4th, where they accounted for 47% of all observed outages. Uh, this is interesting because this continues a recent trend we've seen over extending into sort of several weeks now, in which US-centric outages have accounted for at least 40% of all observed outages. So looking at total global outages since the start of 2023, we've seen peaks and troughs that appear to reflect seasonal patterns we observed in previous years. Um, but the actual trend to, for the year to date is actually pretty flat. That is week over week, the number of observed outages, the average has sort of re remained pretty flat across there. So although we go up and down, the average looks kind of flat. So it's not trending significantly up or down. And this sort of differs from numbers we've observed in 2020 and 2021, uh, and again in 2022. Uh, in those years, we saw sort of a fairly consistent increase across these uh, week over week of the outages to start with. So the caveat to that, or the thing we need to remember that, and you saw a steep upward trend in outages, uh, which can likely be attributed to preparation for that shelter in place, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, uh, as providers look to adjust their environments, sort of an, uh, of anticipation of workload shifts. So we're looking at what we're changing for the infrastructure, and we're sort of uh, beefing up to cope with this shift where we've gone away from sort of centralised offices or branch offices, to this distributed workforce around from there. But if we're looking at 2023 as a whole, it's also worth noting that the two largest contributors outages numbers sort of remain the same year over year, and these are the ISPs and the CSPs. So when we examine the ISPs and CSPs individually, we sort of start seeing emerging uh, an interesting difference that's sort of emerging from there. And what we're looking at here for the, the audio uh, listeners only is we're actually seeing a graph of the ISP outages tracked uh, over the first uh, first period of this year, so from, from January the 1st through to sort of the beginning of June there. And what we see is that while the ISP outages uh, observed still make up the majority of outages by, by some margin, so we're talking sort of, sort of 80, 85%, it's interesting to see that the ISP outage numbers are actually sort of trending down this year, year on year on average. So this is interesting because this is the first time in three years that we've seen the ISP outages, the average number week over week, fall, that trend go down. Um, uh, over this first period, during the same period in 20, uh, 2020, 2021, and 2022, the ISP numbers all trended up. Uh, now we can sort of potentially link this to sort of better containment. And what I mean by that is that um, when we're looking at sort of maintenance or outage impacts, parts of infrastructure, there seems to be less radiation. So the outage itself doesn't sort of spread out. In other words, there's less of uh, environment is, is affected. So, you know, if we, the, the point of that is we take an interface down or an interface goes down from there, it's linked to another one uh, and, and there's no way we can actually sort of separate those. So we have what's affected is this, this domino effect. 
So this was different to the CSP, so as we mentioned previously, it seemed to be less affected by this domino effect of an outage, i.e. I could take one part down without impacting other parts around from there. And this is supported by looking at the profile of these outages, where we see availability apparently maintained through the architecture itself, and in addition to time of day, which is indicative with both scheduled and maintenance upgrades. In other words, steps have been taken to help minimise user impact. But we still see this growth coming up through there, this trend. Um, uh, sort of week over week between the high and the lows of the CSP outages, we see that sort of trending up uh, uh, upwards there. Uh, so they're starting to have more impact. And all we start to see, uh, or they start to be more prevalent, I should say, rather than the impact that is occurring from there, which I say is indicative of sort of the infrastructure itself sort of growing out there. If I think about how ISPs are sort of structured, they have a lot of legacy architecture um, in place in there, which makes it harder to kind of isolate it. But as we've sort of seen, this, we've seen it sort of change over the period and sort of getting into more areas there where they're able to sort of control the boundaries of an outage that, that's seen from there. Or at least that's, that's what we've seen or, or we've had reflected coming back through the outage numbers. Now, again, we're seeing the CSPs have always been able to, because they're dealing essentially with sort of software, they've got a, a software defined environment from there. Um, there is obviously infrastructure underlying all of this, but the way they're able to control and set things up is more software orientated from there. So what we saw from the get-go was the CSPs were able to sort of control their their um, their domain of effect. So that the, the outage never radiated, radiated as far. Um, so what we're seeing, if we then sort of have that contrast coming back, we're seeing the ISPs, um, uh, sort of say the, the outage impacts, although the numbers are growing, uh, having less, less of an effect. We're still seeing the CSPs uh, trend up and up, um, but we're, but what, what's occurring in, in those cases then is that uh, just indicative then of the infrastructure itself sort of growing. So we, we're getting more, the, the CSP networks in, the, in, in having an active part of the internet are becoming more prevalent and sort of taking more, more, of, a, uh, more of a front line. But again, in both cases, what we've seen is a really interesting in as much as um, the, the, the outages of their effect, the, the blast radius, as it were, appears to be becoming more and more controlled. Uh, we're not seeing the outage itself sort of radiate out um, and have sort of mass global impacts uh, as we have done in the past. That's not to say they, they still won't occur, by the way. So, you know, outages are a part of everyday life. What I'm talking about here and we're looking at these patterns is really around where we're talking in, in the terms of sort of scheduled maintenance or planned maintenance or upgrades to systems around from there. So something where we need to do, we need to actually go and make a change to an environment, we need to do a configuration change. And again, as we've seen, some of these can still go wrong. But essentially what, what we're saying is that um, the, 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 the redundancy, the steps we got in place is allowing that to have less of an impact on the users themselves. So just switching slightly, if we actually now start to look at the applications themselves. So the application outages have also been trending up. Now this is significant, as we discussed many times in the podcast, the magnitude of interconnected dependencies that the application now utilize and rely on to function also means that there is more potential for wide-scale disruption should any of these services aggregating points experience a degradation or outage. So if we look at that sort of that peak, we can actually see again for the audio listeners there, there's a peak as occurs around January 25th. It's quite a sharp one there. We can attribute that to the Microsoft uh, outage we saw on 25. Again, if you're interested in finding more details out, provide the link to the blog in the description box below. So that was a short summary of what we've seen over this past six months. And some of the trends are really, really interesting as we see. Like I said, it's interesting to see the, um, the the overall outages themselves in terms of ups and downs, in terms of the numbers are growing. We've sort of seen that flatlining of this past six months, uh, which is a reverse of what we've seen in previous years. But it's also interesting to see the ISP outages sort of trending down, CSPs up, and obviously there's applications outages trending up. Um, and with that, let's go under the hood.
All right, so staying with that theme of the applications, what I want to take a look at is a couple of application-related outages or outages that sort of impacted the applications. So the first one is an Instagram outage. Uh, this is where a technical issue left users uh, globally unable to access Meta's Instagram. This is on May 21st. Uh, and users uh, were attempting to open the app, were greeted with an error message that read that they couldn't load feed. Again, interesting because you can actually load the app, but you actually then couldn't um, get the content, essentially. So people tried refreshing the homepage and the profiles and it didn't appear to work. The impact is out, as I said, was global, uh, with services returning around one hour and 15 minutes after first being observed. For all those listening audio only on the podcast, what we're looking at here on the screen is a view of the outages seen from ThousandEyes platform. And for those who aren't familiar, ThousandEyes is a platform that gives you a great view into the entire digital supply chain. We have ThousandEyes agents across the internet providing us multiple vantage points to see where disruptions are happening at both the network and application server levels. Visibility like this can be especially useful to help operation teams quickly identify and fix issues that come up, in addition to creating mitigation strategies in advance that can, that can enable you to minimize impact. So what we're looking at here is we're looking at Internet Insights, which is a collection of all the data of the measurements we've got coming around from there. And this gives us that global, that, that um, uh, holistic, that, that macro view essentially of the problem that's going on. So we can see here, we can actually see the top bar here, we can actually see the outage was occurring, it was affecting sort of multiple servers, we can see the duration of it from there. We're going to see the timestamp it occurred. If we swing down to the bottom to look at the Sankey chart, what we can actually see here and what we're seeing there is the destinations are impacted. And then we can start to see sort of the errors we're seeing. So we see a bunch of sort of 500 errors coming up and seeing from that. So this is looking at it from a macro view. If we want to drill down, so quite quickly here, we can identify it's an application issue. We can see it's occurring. We can see in the 500, which is indicative of a server response coming back from there. But now we just want to go down to a micro view to see how is it impacting my service? How would that actually manifest it for the user itself? Now, if you, what we're looking at here is what we call a, a page load test. This essentially allows us to understand what's happening um, uh, from user interaction sort of coming right down, down through there. So the way I like to think of it, if I look at the uh, information on the left-hand side there, where I see page load HTTP server, I like to think of it as I'm actually looking at as an OSI similar layer model. So page load is, is presentation, then I come actually down through the levels of the, of the model there um, as I sort of get out onto network and come through there, right through to, in, in our case, that we're not talking at that, um, uh, that that in, uh, uh, infrastructure level, we're actually talking a BGP route. So that's the stuff that sort of underpins it there. But I said, we can actually see uh, what we're seeing here quite clear is we can see the outage. So if I actually look across, I can see the swim lane where I'm actually seeing I have the outage occurring. The little purple line that indicates underneath there that there's an issue ongoing there. Um, this is taken from Internet Insights and it tells me that I have some correlation. It's, I'm looking at this from a wider perspective. So I'm looking at this HTTP uh, level. So I'm actually can see it. I've got unavail uh, an availability uh, problem there. But then sort of look at that from response time, and this is kind of interesting, because if I look from response time, I can see it's not available, but I'm actually getting responses. Again, remember we already know this is an issue from the server or the application side, because we're getting those 500 errors coming back that we saw from Internet Insights. But when I start to, to look from there, I can actually see what's going on, I can see the increase in, in sort of server time. Um, and if I go to any of those, I can actually start to see where my wait time is increased. So I'm actually timing out, sort of trying to make the connection. If I want to sort of delve down sort of a little bit deeper into that, let's actually just take a look then at what we call the waterfall. So what I want to do here is actually go through. 
uh, and, and understand what's happening. So I'm actually right at the start of the outage here. If I just take that one step back, what I can start to see is my page build. So I can actually see it going through, I can see static information, and I can see that page build through the waterfall with the various steps that go on. If I go to the start of that outage, straight away I can start to see I've sort of failed. So I have my redirect at the top, which is the 301, and then I start to go through and I, I, I can see it's trying to load. So this is why we get some responses. This is reflective essentially of what uh, the users were saying, is my page would partly load, but I then couldn't pull the content down. If we go sort of further into that, then we can actually start to see the errors occur. Now again, a 500xx type error comes from the server side, so straight away we know from the server. In here we're starting to see things like 564s. We're familiar essentially with uh, things like 502, 503s, which we see quite commonly. And we see them commonly because they're defined within the system, and again it tells what's going on. When we get into things like 564, these are essentially proprietary. So you, you will see them spread around, but they can mean different things. But all we need to do take from this is that we're actually seeing a 500 error, it's come from the server itself, therefore that is our problem domain we actually need to, to, to look to. So that Instagram outage is interesting from a couple of areas. One, because we, we, we know it's looking at the application. Like I said, we quite quickly from that macro view were, were able to identify quite easy that we had something within, we've seen those 500 errors coming back. So we knew we were looking from the server side. We could see connectivity. If we then flipped into the network, we can actually see there's no network issues or no significant issues that were impacting these connectivities. The, also the fact it was global, we could actually identify. But but um, uh, there was more likely to be a, a problem with a single point relying with the application. But as I said, the, the real telltale sign, the one giveaway, that we had a 500 error coming back from there. But what's interesting about that really then is again, we're talking about this single single point of connection. So we have this network that's functioning, we're forwarding the packets, but we're still having the users are unavailable. Um, they're, or they're, so they're still not able to sort of function the system. And in some ways it was, they could actually get to it and it's frustrating. They'd hit refresh, they'd have sort of closed the app, started the app again, but again, unable to, to access it. So if we actually then look at a, another application issue, which was, which was similar um, in terms of, this is why I've sort of called it out from there. This occurred on March the 12th. And this is where Okta users in some geographies, including North America, were experiencing uh, problems accessing the corporate applications. Now, so Okta uses this single sign-on service, um, uh, which basically takes you to a, a page or does a single sign-on when you're actually starting to, to uh, connect into the system or into the application themselves. So you, you, you go through a single sign on there and then all my applications are then have to keep signing on and off uh, each time I go to an application. So really cool feature. But what was happening, because this error there and it was a software error uh, that they had from there, when I actually made the connections or where the customers were making the connections um, uh, to there, it sort of initially manifests itself as 504, uh, gateway timeout errors. So uh, what was happening there that meant, then is the end, we talked about this concept of 502s, 503s, 504s, a gateway timeout issue. So again, I could not get to, the, my backend services were running, so the applications that were uh, making use of that single sign-on were all available and actually running, but I couldn't actually get to them because when you're actually trying to get to there, the page wouldn't actually load. I was getting a timeout error. I couldn't get to it from, from those. Um, they actually then sort of fixed that problem. So it came from there. So now I could get to there. But then what we started having issues again with another backend system, we started to see sort of 403 forbidden errors uh, in response to the user authentication requests. So when we're actually trying to make the connection, um, I could get to the system and I couldn't actually uh, log on. Now, this is an example of those application degradations where if you viewed it in a status page, all the lights would be green, and quite rightly so, but it's only when you put those two together. So this is what I'm talking about when we talk about those complex service chains where we have all these elements that need to work together. Uh, you, we've, we've seen those images of all cogs coming through to make the machine works. 
every cog in those has to be turning. And they also have to be turning uh, well oiled or certainly well lubricated to be able to sort of interact together. Because otherwise what happens is if any one of those sticks, we start to get a degradation, we start to get a timeout. Um, we, 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 you know, and things like when we actually, there was a software issue, but we actually resolved that issue. We then had a uh, problem connecting to an authentication server, for example. So then you couldn't get to that. So all these are things are interconnected, but they all have to work together. Um, now, in this case, the fact that the icons weren't appearing on the page meant that the backend servers were, uh, they weren't necessarily unavailable. Again, they're actually running. Um, but the good thing about all of this, like I said, is we could see quite quickly. And again, if we go back to the Instagram one, we could identify what was happening because it leaves little messages for us. The status codes actually give us very nice breadcrumbs and clues we can actually, actually uh, follow around from there. In this particular case, once we actually saw that, uh, you could then then users could actually go directly to the application itself if they knew the the URL. Uh, so they could actually sort of go around from there. But they were still protected. They were still actually having to log on. They just had to log on to that individual one, just as weren't going through that single sign-on. So what you have to be mindful in this particular one is that, that obviously security is incredibly important. Um, it's critical, in fact. You have to have security across in there. But we also make have sure that this doesn't inhibit user experience. So it's understanding that security is a, is a central part to that entire service delivery chain. So we think about a service that we're delivering. We're not just thinking about an individual application. It may be a connection of applications. It will certainly have dependencies on the back end that may or may not be owned by yourself or, or running for yourself from there. It might just simply be something like a payway, payment gateway. We need to access to an API. We're going to have different authentications levels at, at, different, uh, uh, at, at different parts of that communications. So I said, all of those have to work very smoothly together to make sure you get digital experience. Any sort of degradation or timeout is going to have a, a detrimental impact as we go forward there. So that's our show. Please like and subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Thousand Eyes. As I said before, any questions or feedback or guests that you'd love to see on, please send us a note at internet, internet report at thousandeyes.com. As I mentioned up top, for more outage case studies like the ones we discussed today, check out our new uh, internet outages timeline uh, and we'll include a link for you there in the description box below. So until next time, thank you and goodbye.